0: And welcome to Kiwi Rider Podcast, New Zealand's premier motorcycling podcast made by Kiwi Riders for Kiwi Riders. My name's Ray Heron, and joining me this week it's Matthew Day Gillett. Hello. Hey,
1: man. Well, I missed your voice in my ears uh, from uh, last week, so um, I thought I'd better tap in and. Uh make sure I made this week's recording
0: <laughs> 6 hours of me talking absolute bollocks you weren't over that already no oh, I miss singing the wiggles
1: um, <laughs> and uh, you did give me some sage advice so I will uh, give you that The putting the little father uh, skipping his nap every second day has definitely helped this last week so uh no nah there was definite pluses to wearing centers and having each other net for a for six hours of solid riding.
0: Well I'm glad I could be of some assistance. Coming up in this episode, we're going to tie up some loose ends. Uh, we've got uh, a story on the G310GS. A few questions during the week, so I will address that very shortly. Uh, we've got an update on the tyres on my MT07, the Continental Rotor Tank 3s. They've hit 5000Ks already, believe it or not, since uh, the end of Level 4 lockdown. Uh, we've also got news on the R18. That's the Honda CRF300L, the Triumph Trident, the MT-07 and the MT-09. So let's do the news. And kicking things off, we've got a brand new MT-09 hitting the country soon, Matt. Yeah, indeed. So uh, due here in March, according to Yamaha Motor
1: New Zealand, um, massive changes across the board for the MT-09. Big injection of technology, including a TFT display, rider age AIDS, rider aids larger engine lighter weight and overall it looks very very different um so we'll kick it off with uh, what the bike looks like and um sort of one word comes to my cyclops um they've got a new headlight on it some people love it some people absolutely loathe it uh, but it's a cool trick unit you've got decent amount of light coming off it um and it's different to the uh twin lights of all they sort of um i don't know if you can picture it in your head the latest well, the current generation ray, how it kinda of looks like it's got two angry eyes. Um this one's good.
0: Yeah, they went they went from the very similar to the original MTO seven, in fact the same as the current MTO seven, that was that Cyclops, but it kind of had an eyebrow going on, to that um that, that dual eye angry eye thing that the MTO ten started MT ten started with. And I thought that was absolute sex on wheels. And now they've gone to this kind of uh, single halogen LED cyclopsy thing yeah it's
1: I don't know I think it's definitely in the realms of um, need to see it in person to make a final judgement I'm not not too sure.
0: I completely agree. It, it looks like, in fact, it looks like the single projector headlamp from a 90s Subaru Legacy, but it's just <laughs> one of them. Yeah. But that's just the photos I've seen. I'm sure in person it's uh, it's an angry yeah, machine. Yeah, and it
1: is flanked by other lights as well. Um, so the uh, CP3 triple's growing in capacity uh, close to the 900cc uh Number hinted at it by the uh, MT09 name. So it is now 889 cc's of capacity um, and it boasts 117 horsepower backed by 92.8 newton meters of torque of peak grunts. So um, yeah, that's not bad power wise. It's going to be a really, really fun uh, machine. Previous iterations of the MT09, of course, have been criticized for having a uh, well, shall we say, slightly lively chassis. Um, So Yamaha went back to the drawing board for the 2021 model um, with an all-new frame and subframe. Uh, They say it's 50% more rigid laterally, which should, in theory, make for a better feel at the front end. Uh, To top it off, it is now 3.8 kilos lighter. Um, So that makes the MT-09 190 kilos wet, which is 4 kilos lighter than the old bike. Uh, Other cool stuff, um, fully adjustable KYB forks, KYB rear shock, um what other cool stuff uh traction control um all because of uh, a six axis imu so you've got traction control slide control front wheel lift control which some people like i guess if you don't like doing wheelies um and a brake control system um three and a half inch tft display lets you see everything going on Um, And it looks actually quite well sorted. Um, There's not really a lot to dislike about this bike. Looks really, really good side on. It's just that headlight. Um, So we will see when it arrives uh, early next year, uh, what we think of the new 2021 MT-09 in person.
0: So Yamaha have been refreshing uh, a lot of their bikes, uh, the MT range in particular, new MT-09 on the way, and it seems like only yesterday that we got a new or revised, I guess facelift model kind of MT-07. But Yamaha have revealed the 2021 MT-07 which receives the MT-09 style aesthetic update, including bold new LED headlight and functional improvements for the new model year. This story, thanks to our mates at uh, onthrottle.co.nz, you can see photos and all the specs up there our mates being Matt, hi Matt um, while Yamaha Motor New Zealand is yet to finalise pricing, both the 655cc Lambs version and the full power MTO7 the HO or high output they'll be arriving in April 2021 it doesn't seem as I mentioned all that long ago since the MTO7 review uh, received a bit of an update um, but believe it or not that was late 2018 i it seems like six months ago. I know, well I suppose we've done a lot since then, haven't we? Yeah, there's been, There's <laughs> been, in fact this whole year's basically been written off. So most obvious of course is the new styling which heavily mimics the MT-09 which Yamaha revealed a week ago and Matt just mentioned before. The uh, All the lighting is now taken care of by LEDs and the headlight is taking a similar approach to the MT-09 uh, with a whole new design featuring a bifunctional LED headlight flanked by dual layer LED position lights to give the MT-09 the signature Y-shaped face of the new MT family. Other visual changes include new winglets on the sides of the newly designed 14-litre fuel tank, giving the bike a more exciting look. The new fuel tank covers are manufactured from injection-moulded plastic resin to reduce weight and a 3D-moulded texture is uh, featured around the rider's knee grip area to give improved Controllability, which uh, is a nice touch. The 689cc two cylinder CP2 engine has been revised with a new air intake duct design and optimized fuel injector settings, as well as a new 2 into 1 exhaust and new ECU. Yamaha says these changes give the MT07 a more linear engine response. According to Yamaha, power torque curve. According to Yamaha, the power and torque curves have been refined, be smoother, as well as also providing an exciting ride. Maximum torque uh, is achieved at uh, 6,500 rpm, while peak power in the high output version is achieved at 9,000 rpm. Yamaha Motor New Zealand has not re- released power figures for the 655 cc Lam's approved version yet. Uh, Also the MTO7 gets a dual front disc, um, increased in size from 282mm of the previous model to 298mm on the new bike. Uh, This will give more stopping power and won't increase any weight. Uh, So all in all she's a a bit of an update, still I notice no um, adjustable suspension. Though the Speedo cluster has been updated slightly and so this is a modification that's been available for the old mto 7 for a long time. Um, you, you take the Speedo cluster off, you pull it apart, you put a new film in it, you put it all back together and it inverts the colours. So instead of having, for uh, argument's sake, like a white background with black digits, you get a black background with white digits. I see the new one comes with the black background with white digits. Um, and it's you know, a little bit jigged around. It's been um, jiggery-pokeried a bit. Uh, and there's also a switch on the handlebars to deal with changing trip odometer and all that jazz instead of a button on the actual um, speedo cluster man. Yeah, so that'll be a nice touch because um, like I don't have anywhere near the experience of the MTO7
1: as you being one of the first people in the country to buy one. Um, when they first launched in, what, 2015? Um, And you've had two other things now. um, But I imagine that would be a lot easier being able to just jiggle off the... uh, Jiggle off. (laughs) To toggle your Odo and everything off the bars instead of having to reach forward because that screen's actually... It's a bit of a weird reach to get to that screen, isn't it?
0: Yeah, it's not horrible, but I mean, uh, definitely, if you have to, if you can avoid taking your hands off the bars, definitely, that's going to be a good thing. Uh, I notice uh, some photos up at OnThrottle. and It's kind of actually the first time I've seen the front of that bike, and the MT07 is not as ugly as the MT09. Uh, I saw the MTO 9 and I went, oh my god, what have they done? They went from a really aggressive looking front to a really aggressive looking front. So the first version was cool, the second version was fucking onto it, I thought. And then they went to this horrible Cyclops look. But the MTO 7 um, the first version, it was okay, it was a bit of a dopey looking front. Second version, they went to that first version MTO 9 headlight, which was quite aggressive. Um... And this version, and this version, it's not bad. It's not ugly, but I don't, I don't have that visceral hundred percent. I dislike it from the get go, like I do the MT09.
1: Yeah, it's definitely now looking at them side by side. It's a, definitely a different headlight by the looks things. Uh, those side position and lights definitely help make it look better. Um, I'm kind of getting vibes of a Previa Tuono, weirdly enough, but um, it's a much smaller headlight unit anyway. Um, I don't know, I think it's definitely, again, going to be one of those bikes you're going to have to see in person uh, before you can really appreciate it and really make a final judgment on whether it looks good or not. Um, interestingly enough, on the exhaust, there's looks like a heat shield coming off the um, two uh, exhaust manifold pipes, um, which I don't think the current generation has, um, weirdly enough.
0: No, it doesn't. There's two, two pipes that go from the head of the engine all the way down. This goes two into one quite early. Uh, right under the radiator where my one I'm looking at it right now it has two pipes from the head all the way down and it joins uh, at the catalytic converter under the engine I'm wondering if there's a new cat in there or something yeah that's quite a different exhaust setup. Uh, one thing I, I did notice um, and, and I know I'm not comparing apples with apples here but I've got a um, G310GS in the garage at the moment I've been pushing them both around and I've noticed that the MT-07 is it's, it's actually quite heavy in the steering not necessarily in turns but like in low speed when you're pushing it around in the garage the handlebars are a lot heavier than the um, the G310 and I know as I said I'm not comparing apples with apples but I wonder if it's got something to do with the fact that the handlebars on the G310 are literally just connected to the wheel no fairing no headlight no nothing on the headstock where the MTO7 has no fairings up there everything's attached to essentially the handlebars so I wonder if that has some kind of impact when you're when you're pushing it around at slow speeds and I wonder if this low... And mixed with the geometry as well, I think, as well. I think that the uh, MT might have a steeper rake. Well, where I was going with that is I wonder if um, going to this LED system on the MT-07 is going to impact that, make things lighter. You're not going to have, you know, a massive headlight housing and a conventional bulb and all that sort of jazz. But uh, only time will tell. And uh, both these bikes, if I'm not mistaken, hitting the country in around April 2021. Yeah, March, April. So, um,
1: yeah, it's definitely going to be a very... very big time of year, uh, what, March, April next year, because there are a lot of bikes that are scheduled to arrive in dealerships then. So um, basically, I don't know, I'm going to go down to Tarapa and go from shop to shop and look at all the new machineries, I think.
0: Let's go to something a little bit more European and check out the new Triumph Trident map. Yeah, so we finally got the
1: production version. There's photos up at onthrottle.co.nz. You'll see it in the latest edition of Kiwi Rider, uh, Triumph's new Trident 660. Um, before you ask, no, we're not getting the full power version here in New Zealand or the really cool upgrade kit that takes it from lamb's power to full's power. Um, but we are getting a very tricky and really um, well-sorted lambs version of the bike for just $12,990, which is two grand cheaper than Triumph's current entry-level offering, the um, uh, Street Triple 660, which it's a cool bike, but it's a bit clunky when you compare it to the uh, other Street Triples. So uh, the Trident has been designed from the ground up to be both a Lunar approved bike across the world, so we get the Lambs version. In Europe you get one which is called an A2 spec, um, which can then be uncorked in Europe only um, with a special kit you can buy from Triumph to get the full power out of that um, 660 triple. Uh, that full power from the 660 is, uh, what would I call it, 81 horsepower in the old money at 10,250 RPM and backed by uh, 64 newton meters of torque. Um, that's in the full power version. Um, we don't have a really good idea about what it's going to be like um, to ride, but I imagine it's going to be a bit like the current 660 um, LAMBS version of the Street Triple. Uh, power for the LAMBS version is stated as um, by, by Triumph New Zealand as 47.8 horsepower and 51 Newton meters of torque. So it's still a decent amount of power. In the UK, it's 47.8 horsepower at 8750 RPM backed by 51 Newton meters of torque. But here, our Lamb spec version, according to Triumph New Zealand, is going to have 53 horsepower at 8750 RPM and 59 Newton meters of torque. So um, we get more power in our learner approved bike than the Europeans, but not quite as much power as the full spec bike. Um, lots of cool tech in it, though. You've got a TFT screen, as you'd expect from New Triumph, six speed gearbox with slipper slitch, with a slipper clutch, uh, all the standard fare. Optional up-down quick shifter, which, come on, that's going to be awesome fun on a lambs bike. Um, Plus, there's over 45 official Triumph accessories uh, on offer when it arrives. Uh, Combined, wet weight is just 189 kilos, um, which is not bad at all for a uh, bike with three cylinders. Uh, the Trident has in the suspension department show a suspension. Up front, the bike is equipped with side-down separate function forks with 120mm of front wheel travel. Uh, while at the rear, its preload adjustable monoshock um, is... Uh, connected to the bike via a linkage. Uh, Michelin Road 5 tyres are the standard rubber. Providing the stopping power is, um, as you'd expect with Triumph, uh, Nissan braking system with two-piston Nissan sliding front calipers, twin lightweight 310mm discs on the front, and a single-piston Nissan rear caliper on the rear disc. Yeah, As we expect, Trident doesn't drop the ball when it comes to electronics. Triumph are really, really focused on providing a really good electronics package uh, so the dash is a gorgeous tft display in line with the aesthetic of the second generation screen found on triumph's scrambler 1200 line uh, the new tft is integrated with a crystal clear white on black lcd display uh, that offers functionality beyond the standard onboard metrics uh, you can connect it via the my triumph app now uh, which is a optional extra and it can provide turn-by-turn navigation gopro control phone and music control or via bluetooth and you can control it all by the handlebar switch cubes, which is awesome. I'm kind of hoping that we get to have one of these for a little bit um, to really play with. Uh, Standard riding modes include rain and road options, um, and you can adjust the traction control to your liking, and that's all because it is now a ride-by-wire system. So Triumph have done away with the old cables. Everything's electronically controlled. So yeah, basically the main thing for Triumph uh, when they were designing this was The Trident has to be affordable and more affordable than its competitors, so as a result of that, you've got stupid long service intervals, uh, 16,000 Ks to be exact, um, as well as Triumph claiming that the Trident will spend less time in the workshop to get its maintenance done um, by, uh, let's see, they have a comparison, uh, lowest level of workshop time in the category, 8.3 total hours compared to a range of 11 hours to 15.8 hours for its closest competitors for a service, uh, full top to bottom service. So that's um, a lot more cost effective, especially when it's, what, 70 80 bucks an hour to have your bike worked on by a technician at the local shop. Um, and lastly, it's all backed by Triumph's two-year unlimited mileage warranty. Um, so for just, again, $12,919 um, you're getting quite a lot of bike there. Like well, that's that is MTO seven money basically.
0: Twelve thousand. I think the MTO seven comes in at fourteen on the road, thereabouts. Yeah, some, something like that. I haven't actually looked at the price of one of those for a
1: while, but it is um, that's Japanese bike money essentially for a Triumph. So um, hats off to them. It's looking real cool, and I can't wait to ride it.
0: Talking about another bike that's getting bigger, we've got a Honda CRF three three hundred on the horizon. Now while we were waiting for news this week on the updated CRF 250L and 250 Rally uh, hitting Japan, something even more exciting happened. Honda launched the CRF 300L and 300 Rally in Thailand. Uh, Ever since Honda's pint-sized adventure bikes, the CRF 250 Rally was released in 2017. Many riders have been begging for a 300cc upgrade. Not Matt though. Uh, Considering the model's longer range intention and the fact that uh, Honda had a capable motor sitting on the shelf from its three from its C- CBR 300R, it seemed like an inevitability that they would just stuff it into the rally. A lot of people said. Uh, now it looks like the day has finally come for the long-awaited bump in displacement, not only for the CRF 250 Rally but the 250L as well. Currently, the power plant uh, upgrade has only been announced for Southeast has only been announced for the Southeast Asian market. And Japan is still keeping the 250cc engine, likely due to additional inspection and registration fees in the country for bikes over 250cc. Even the CBR 250R still exists in Japan. However, we are crossing our fingers that um, that 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 Honda New Zealand will be bringing that into the country. The 300, the CRF 300L, and CRF 300 Rally, uh, especially considering the the CRF 450 50 l um it's just a motocrosser with road registration and you still got 1000k service intervals which is just it's just not practical when you're doing a thousand k's in a weekend on an adventure ride really no
1: and um like to be honest i think blue wing honda would be well advised to go for the 300 version if they can get their hands on it for our market because the 250l like i love rosie the rally it is My favorite bike, there is a very good reason why I bought this bike instead of a 1,000 or any other bike, Um, but it is lacking in power, as I found out going along the desert road um, last weekend with the boys, and yeah, you're just absolutely wringing its neck at times, Uh, but um, the rest of the um, class has moved on. We've now got bikes like the KTM 390 Adventure, which has a 390. TCC thereabouts engine, 40 plus horsepower all the bells and whistles um, the Honda is getting left behind um, being a, a 250 um, the suspension is a weak point um, and also it's like you it looks cool, I reckon it's the best looking out of the compact adventure class but it's let down by its yeah, not biased at all but um, yeah, it's let down by its power and that 300L Um, Like literally guys, ever since um, the 300 motor came out, guys have worked out that it's literally a plug and play mod for the CRF250 to chuck a CB300 or CBR300R motor in there. You literally take the intake boot, the engine, the ECU, and you need a longer uh, wiring harness to go to the stator and that's it and they plug and play what's really
0: interesting for me though is the uh the the crf250 rally crf250l um i i to be honest apart from the front end the fairings i couldn't tell you the difference between the two um having ridden both but the crf250 rally of yours matched up against that um g310gs that i was riding last weekend there was Bugger all between the two. A 250cc versus a 313cc. There was nothing there.
1: Yeah, it was only when we were at long straights and you had that extra top-end power. Um, Like, I sort of just... Run out of
0: puff and you cruise past. Well, even then, half the time I'd, I'd have to draft behind you to get the to get the speed to pass. Yeah, um, it's yeah, it's not a lot, it's what 24 horsepower. Chuck a 300cc in the rally, and that thing's going to absolutely haul us. Yeah, well, that's what I
1: was looking down the barrel of when I um did my talk to spec moment and um stripped the sun plug out of the bottom of Rosie the rally. I was looking at $2,400 to replace part of the crankcase or. or basically finding a wrecked CBR 300 and, um, just swapping the engine over. Uh, unfortunately, the hard part there is finding a Rex CBR 300 because there are not a lot of them out there.
0: So the heart of the new CRF 300 platform is a 286cc fuel-injected double-overhead cam engine made it to a six-speed gearbox. This engine's going to put out 31 horsepower and 19.3 foot-pounds of torque compared to the previous 250cc's 22.8 horsepower and 16 foot-pounds of torque. I couldn't tell you what that is in normal... And normal figures um, that's a 36% increase I'm led to believe in power which is sure to give both bikes uh, even greater range and cruising a capability can you imagine 36% increase in power going over the desert road and you lose quite a bit because of that altitude oh yeah I definitely as well
1: Ben will tell you how it went um, but at one point he came up beside me on the Red Baron put his arm out On my back and gave me a push because i was going that slow Um, i was absolutely tapped in either fifth or fourth gear and ben just comes up on the Baron and gives me a push and then he worked out it was too hard work and kept on going um another interesting thing is um the 300l so not the rally the enduro looking bike is a full five kilos lighter um, then the 250, which is, um, I'm not too sure how Honda have made those weight savings. I haven't been able to find a press release in English yet. Um, but that's a huge weight saving on a bike this small. Um, and they also have a assist slipper clutch, um, which will help um, prevent uh, moments like I experienced a couple of times on the GS Rally where I accidentally had my foot in the wrong position, accidentally shifted down into first and nearly threw myself over the bars. Um, So um, all in all, it's looking like a really, really good package. And I really, really hope it comes to New Zealand because um, Honda needs this.
0: So fingers crossed that Honda New Zealand bring in the CRF300L and CRF300Rally. Uh, next on the news list, the DGR is changing its date, the, the Distinguished Gentleman's Ride. Yes, so uh, this
1: was announced over the, uh, this past week. Um, so if you don't know what the DGR is, it's the Distinguished Gentleman's Ride. It's a big fundraising ride that's usually held in late September. But From 2021 and going forwards, it will now take place in May. And um, according to the DGR founder, Mark Hauer, um, the change of dates has in part, well, quite largely actually been in response to the Northern Hemisphere riders, which um, they've wanted warmer riding conditions. And while the event did start in Sydney in, I believe, 2012, um, yeah, it's grown into a worldwide phenomenon. And most of the participants are actually from the Northern Hemisphere. Um, so due to population demand, the Distinguished Gentleman's Ride will now be hosted in May, he wrote on his Facebook page. Uh, this represents a change to warmer weather for the Northern Hemisphere and for the South, well, let's keep it real, it never really gets that cold, um, according to Mark, who lives in Sydney. Um, it also means the Distinguished Gentleman's Drive, which is um, a new event that they also um, hosted um, that will now be hosted as the last Sunday of September. Um, so it's, um, basically that means uh, there's only oh crikey trying to think how many weeks until oh let's ask siri hey siri how many weeks until the 23rd of may 2021
0: it's 27 weeks until then
1: there we go there's only 27 weeks according to siri until the next distinguished gentleman's ride uh which oh over... hey, my do you have a british siri oh mine's hey she's irish don't let her hear you say that my siri is irish um i i <laughs> I like my Siri. I like Irish Siri. She's very, very nice and polite. Oh, See, I don't like Australian Siri. She sounds too much like my sister-in-law. Uh, the DGR has... Uh, hey, Siri, fiddle ...raised in its eight years so far, 35 million New Zealand dollars uh, for causes going towards men's health, including suicide prevention and prostate cancer awareness. So, um... Yeah, look out, uh, I'm sure Peter Elliott, friend of the podcast, will be donning his Dapper gear for the next DGR, which will be
0: Sunday, the 23rd of May,
1: 2021.
0: And we've got a price confirmed for the BMW R18 hitting the country soon too.
1: Yes, that's right. So um, BMW's first cruiser since um, the, let's be real, rather ugly uh, R1200C, Um, the R18, which um, looks Honestly, I think it looks great. There's been some people online that are going, oh, no, I don't like the look of that. But um, they obviously don't like boxer engines, and I think boxer engines are awesome. Um, So the R18 is going to arrive this month sometime uh, with pricing starting at $43,990 for the high-spec first edition model, um, which um, means it's going to have a whole lot of extra tech, including... um, uh, signature double pinstriping paint and chrome adaptive headlight with built-in daytime running light passenger accommodation heated grips and a very useful reverse gear because um, if you've ever tried to back up a boxer-powered bmw motorcycle it's a bit hard trying to waddle your legs uh without hitting your shins <laughs> waddle, waddle
0: waddle that's a new word
1: we'll put that one on the <laughs> yeah, list. waddle waddle um yeah, it's really hard to back up a BMW boxer motor without um, bashing your shins up against the cylinder heads. So a reverse gear will come on the first edition R18. Um, there's also a classic version due early next year with the pricing, which is yet to be set. And because this is a price for the first edition bike, I I'm hoping, I suspect that the base model bike, which won't necessarily have the reverse gear, heated grips, um, daytime running light. And- passenger accommodation. There should be, in theory, a more affordable version of that, which will more directly compete with, say, the base model Indians or Harley's. Um, which will be really, really cool because like it's just so different. Um, it's also got a lot of grunt. Um, it's BMW's largest boxer motor ever with at 1802 CC's. Uh, for a motorcycle 91 horsepower at 4750 rpm and 150 newton meters of torque which is available between 2000 and 4000 rpm so it's a grunt monster so how much is it and when's it in the country so uh hits country this month is a first edition model at
0: $43,990. and that rounds up the news now, mate, we've got a couple of uh, loose ends to tie up um, because up until the weekend, I hadn't ridden the G310GS, but I had ridden the G310R. Uh, also, some questions following um, the, the, the the major lot of rambling. Pretty much half of last week's <laughs> episode was rambling as we were a little bit drunk and quite tired after two late nights and a full day's riding. So um, some loose ends to tie up. Let's kick things off uh, with the BMW g 3 G310GS. And as I mentioned, the following... What
1: did we decide its name was? Uh,
0: <laughs> d- d- that is a loose end that we haven't... We'll do that shortly. <laughs> following last weekend's ramblings, I thought I'd better give you a more in-depth review on the BMW G310GS. Matt's ridden this bike. He did a review. Check it out at On Throttle. Uh, but you see, last w- after last week's ramblings, as I said, we had two late nights, a number of beers, a 330k ride of gravel and tarmac, and my thoughts were a little bit... Scrambled. Easy. So I've got my (laughs) thoughts together. Um, Now, when I was told I was going to be riding the G310GS, I was a little not disappointed, but underwhelmed um, because I had ridden that G310R. And although a cracking little bike uh, with looks to boot, it's not exactly a rocket ship um, it's, it's got enough boogie to excite a noob, but given I've ridden some truly exciting machines in the last few years, I was just a little bit ho-hum about it, I found it a little bit tame, nothing against the bike itself, uh, it's just the fact that it's just a little engine, it's just a little 313cc single cylinder, however, slinging a leg over the BMW G310GS, I was pleasantly surprised on Saturday morning, Uh, it has the same characteristic ho-hum low end Uh, it it doesn't get up and boogie until halfway up the rev range Um, but it's got more than enough in it to have a bit of fun, especially when the surface gets loose. I found that I could dump a gear going into a 90 degree or tighter corner and actually uh, throw it into the corner with a bit more speed than I probably needed. And then once I could see the exit of the corner, just wind on the throttle, light up the rear and power out of it. Now, this may not be the best strategy for tire life, but gee, it was fun. <laughs> uh, we found with tire, I found the tire width to be a little problematic. And compared to Matt's CRF 250 Rally, uh, when I got into the deep loose gravel, it the bike kind of went where it wanted to go. It, if I took it easy, it was fine. But uh, we found that the narrower tires of the CRF Rally just kind of cut through the gravel. Yeah, and you
1: tended to float along the top, sort of. Uh, you didn't quite get that
0: cut through, did you? Exactly. Um, I fully expected the 313cc engine to struggle with my weight and a heavy bag full of camera crap on the back, but not at all. There was more than enough enough power to be playful and if you keep the revs up, as I mentioned, the Wii 310GS hums along quite well. Uh, You're even able to exceed the speed limit if you want to, not saying we did, neither confirming nor denying that. Now, I've been commuting on the baby GS for a week and so far, so good. As a commuter, it's actually quite good. It's got a bit of character it's got a nice high seat it gives the rider quite a commanding view of the road ahead the seat is very comfortable and the bars are actually very wide I didn't feel it when I was on the gravel for the GS rally but commuting through town they're even possibly a bit too wide for a commuter as I said it helps on the loose stuff but when lane splitting and filtering I've actually managed to clip a wing mirror or two on occasion uh, I even took the Wii GS yes, completely off-road the other day for a wee jaunt through the Akataruas, which is Wellington's uh, playground for trail riders, trials riders, four-wheel drives, and enduro pros. Now, remembering that uh, once I remembered to turn the ABS off uh, as I entered the bush, uh, I rode from Upper Hutt through the pram track through to the Mangaka Valley on the Parapara Umu side. Sure, I didn't attempt anything too crazy, but the bike felt completely at home, skirting deep puddles with wading through water crossings and tackling small hill climbs. Uh, the Midas E09 tyres helped greatly but the bike was more than capable more than capable. Unfortunately I did have to uh, ride around the bike's drawbacks which namely is the lack of low end torque. It would be nice to be able to put it in first and just trickle along at low revs but you've got to get those revs up so you pretty much got to go and tackle anything balls to the wall um, but as, if you can ride around those issues, no drama whatsoever now having spent time on both the baby bmws i can happily report back that they're they're both great bikes there's like you shouldn't be disappointed if you're told you're going to be riding one Um, but having a slight off-road bias myself the g310gs was definitely my preference it can do 90 percent of what the g310r can do Uh, the only downside would be that being the G310R is made for on road so if you're off road and you weigh what I do you hit the brakes you're going to get a little bit of dive and that sort of thing but you could probably tune that out of the suspension if you actually owned it yourself if I were to ride one long term I would be um, fiddling with the suspension to get, to kill that, that dive under brakes probably putting a bigger screen on it maybe replace the bars and add some bar risers so it's good to stand up on for somebody my height and some wider foot pegs uh, with these might motor- have minor modifications, the G310GS would be a bike that could last you a long time. You could pick one up on your learner's license and know that it's going to last you for a good couple of years through your learners and you're restricted, only replacing it if you felt the need for more power once you got to your full license. The G310GS is a little higher than the R, if I remember correctly, though still more than manageable for those short of stature. For those short of stature and the build quality, well, even though it's the only BMW made outside Europe, it's right up there. You wouldn't know. And it stands to reason because the BMW G310GS and G310R are made by TVS India, which are one of India's largest motorcycle manufacturers. So they obviously know what they're doing. So to sum up, I may have been unduly negative on this cracking wee bike. It does what it says on the box, and this, with its R counterpart, the power is adequate, the handling does the job well, and it's not unlike a hyperactive puppy. Excitable, fun to play with, but you'd have to be doing something seriously wrong for it to want to rip your face off. If you get a chance to go out for a ride on a BMW G310R or G310GS, get amongst it is what I've got to say
1: yeah but um what's the story because that gs is still in your garage um you're going to hold on to it for a little bit longer i hear
0: yeah so i've been told i've basically got it um for summer i no nobody's given me an exact date of when i have to give it back uh i've got so i've got the g310 gs and i've got the mt07 lined up in the garage one behind the other and i think generally the way i work is the one in front is what i'm going to take to work in the morning the one in front is the gs
1: Oh, we'll have to do some um, organize some
0: rides over the summer to use that little GS and um, see if we can wear out those knobby tyres. Definitely, definitely. I mean, they're, they're going to wear out pretty quickly on tarmac, but uh, we've been talking about a trip to do Molesworth and Rainbow and a few other gravel roads in the top of the South Island. So if I don't manage to sell the MTO7, which, by the way, it's for sale.
1: <laughs>
0: How much are you asking? Give us the details. Come on. Okay, so um, two, sell it to two me. careful lady owners. um, MTO7 2014 model uh, has 30,000 Ks on the clock, uh, near new Continental Road Attack 3s uh massive service during lockdown it's done oh, for, for five thousand k since then um we're talking oil oil filter air filter clean and re-oil that's k in. uh fork oil was done chain and sprockets was all done um and it's good to go it comes with the um i've been given the clearance to sell it with the uh the ventura evo rack that's on it it comes with the short screen it comes with the short levers it's got long lever original levers that go with it uh it's got the yamaha factory um panniers it's got the melotti racing um tail tidy it's got the uh, LED indicators front and rear with the adjustable. If you want to know anything, read Kiwi Rider magazine and find out what's been done to it. It's been well looked after. So if you're after a um, an MT07, I'm after about 7000 for it.
1: Nice. And it's a well sorted bike for that money, I think.
0: Couple more loose ends to tie up, um, LS2 Pioneer Evo helmet, uh, brand new, uh, three weeks ago, thanks very much, White's Passports and Bits for Bikes, um, there's a first look video out and there's an in depth review following the GS Rally coming up, but I just thought I'd touch on Matt, the White's uh adhesive anti fog inserts that i got to go with that helmet
1: they're like a pin lock aren't they but they actually stick in like you don't have to fiddle around and like get them to lock into a pin do you? like they just yeah
0: they they kind of, the similar theory to a pin lock but they don't go between those pin locks um and you can get quite a different uh, range or array of them you can get the super clear which is just white clear Uh, you can get night vision which is yellow tinted you can get anti-glare which i think's tinted in some way uh high definition which is pink tint you can get photochromatic which is like those um glasses that your mother probably has that you go out in the sun and they tint you know reading glasses that are clear but they tint in uv light And you can get polarised. So you can get a whole bunch of different ones. I've got two. I've got photochromatic, which I haven't used yet, but I've put on the clear visor that came with the helmet. And I've got super clear, which is just the clear one, which I've put on the inside of the tinted visor. These things are actually really, really good. I would go so far as to say that they're actually the best anti-fog insert that I have ever used. Now I've used Pinlock before. I know that's a big call and you you're looking at me like really, <laughs> really you're yeah. going to say that. So they come with um you know the 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 coating that's on the visor of your brand new helmet and it's just kind of it's like what's on your phone. It's just a a plastic thing. It's not really adhesive, but it kind of sticks to your phone through static. So um, they come with one of those that goes on the outside of the visor and it has guidelines like this is the middle this is the you know the the y axis the x axis this is where you need to put the st- the insert sticker yeah so you put that on the outside of your visor, and you can see where to put the sticker, and then the, in- the insert itself goes on the inside, and it's um, it's it's got a, a bead of adhesive, I want to say silicone, around the outside, but it's not sticky and tacky like silicone, it sticks to your helmet, but it, it, when you peel it off it doesn't leave anything on the on the visor. Oh, okay. Um and so you you bend it and you place it on the inside of the of the visor. Uh and the best thing about these ones is you, you can use it with a non pinlock visor. So you don't have to get your pinlock visor with the little little posts on the inside of your screen. So I did that I put the I put both one on each, the photochromatic on the clear visor, the super clear on the tinted visor and I've only used the tinted visor since. And man, So you can see, because it doesn't cover the whole visor, you can see around the periphery that it does fog up. The visor would fog up, as you would expect. Yeah. But where the insert is, has not fogged up even remotely, even on like a heavy outbreath. You know, on like a pinlock, you can go, "Ah," and it will fog up, but it will clear pretty quick. Like, this has not fogged up at all. Oh, wow, eh. And I've ridden in like I, I, last week. It was pretty wet in Wellington, and I, I rode in pretty heavy rain to the point where everything was leaking. Even my complete rain suit was leaking, uh, and no fog on the inside of the um, of the helmet. Um, and I even with it. So the LS two uh, Pioneer Evo has so much ventilation that I can wear my normal reading glasses inside the helmet, and the glasses don't fog up. So I've I've I feel like I've. It's my go to. It's the best. It's the best solution I've
1: got. That's a real plus because um, I've got a pinlock on my ADV helmet and the pinlock works fine. My glasses fog up, which is a real pain in the butt because I have to wear them according to my license. So, um, yeah, maybe um, when I try, well, when I bin this helmet and um, make it uh, unusable again, maybe I'll have a look at the uh, LS2 as the next one potentially.
0: Yeah, the LS2 helmet itself is is ridiculously comfortable. Um, I, uh, it's no secret I had the previous Pioneer and I wore it when I had to but it wasn't the most comfortable helmet in the world however the, the LS2 Evo uh, Pioneer Evo is really comfortable like I've got that sitting beside the HJC i70 right now and all last week it was the LS2 that got taken out wowie because I love my i70
1: it's comfy ass <laughs> how much is the Pioneer Evo while you're there because um, that is um, that sounds like a cracking helmet. So
0: the Pioneer Evo starts at two fifty nine for the standard black one, and prices do go up a little bit for, depending on what design you you are after. That's really not bad for an adventure helmet, for a well sorted one. And the white's anti fog inserts are uh, around the sixty dollars mark each, but man, they are so worth it. Like like if. If you don't believe anything I ever say, believe this and go and get one. Like, I, 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 can't, I can't overstate enough how impressed I am with the White's um, adhesive anti-fog inserts. Uh, they're made by a company, U-G-A-M. UGAM. UGAM? I don't know. But it's it's amazing. Go to bits4bikes.co.nz and search anti-fog in the... Um, in the product search there, and you'll find the White's anti-fog insert. You can get it in many different um, many different guises, as I mentioned. Uh, you won't be disappointed. It will go on pretty much any visor as well. Uh, another loose end to tie up Matt Um, we were using our Senna 50 series communicators during the GS rally battery life didn't seem as bad as we initially thought Uh, I got home with about uh, 40% battery you got home with about 25% was that right? I didn't actually pay attention um, on the day
1: as to what um, my um Percentage was it. See, it? Chirped in just as we were getting back to the Martinborough Rugby Club that um, the battery was low, but we were communicating with them on Bluetooth mode, as we said, um, that uses a lot more power. Um, but they, stood, like the entire ride down, I had my center on. I was listening to podcasts the entire way from Cambridge all the way to Martinborough. Still had plenty of battery left in it. Uh, on the ride home, I got to test the water tightness of the center, um, it was absolutely Bucketing down between Martinborough and Wairu.
0: Yeah. This is a thing, right? People, um, they have problems with sinners because they they don't have a waterproof rating and they won't replace it if it gets water damaged. So you got absolutely hammered on. And what was the result? So um, it did cut out. It didn't like
1: um, being basically in a thunderstorm for 110 Ks. Um, so it started playing up outside of... Um, well, I had a couple of weird moments outside of Masterton. It sort of made an odd noise and I was like, oh, that's a bit odd. Um, but by the time I got to Mangatonoka, it just was no. It said no. <laughs> we didn't want to turn on. Um, so I took it off, put it in my pocket um, and we got to Waiuru and I sort of I got out the napkins and I soaked it up and sort of dried the connections and put it back on and it was happy as. Um, so I do think like it's probably not great to use them in the um, pouring rain because they are not, they don't have a waterproof rating. Um, I was leaving mine on because I am lazy and two, it's all in the name of science. We are testing these units, um, and um, yeah, honestly, I'm still quite happy with it. Like it, once it dried out, it, it was fine, and it's working perfectly fine again now. A week later, turned it on. I haven't charged it since I got home. Still turns on. Still connects to Surrey anything it might be taking a little bit longer to connect to my phone uh than it initially did but
0: that could be also my phone i have dropped a few times since um and yeah so that's also one difference between the 50s and the 50r so your 50s has a base plate which is on the helmet and you can take it off and dry it and put it back on yeah i think that is a 50r The 50R is wired into the helmet. I can't remove it without taking the lining out of the helmet, removing the speakers and the microphone and everything as well. So I was initially a little bit worried that if it did get wet You know, you can't just take... If you're riding into a big thunderstorm, you can't just take it off your helmet and put it in your pocket, put it in a waterproof bag, something like that.
1: Yeah, see, I'm thinking that's probably where the 50S um, got wet, actually, is on that base plate, um, because you pop it off, um, I'll just reach over, push the button. (laughs) So the unit itself has a whole lot of exposed pins um, at the base of it that connect into the base plate, and that's where all the functionality sort of where the... um, the headset unit talks to your speakers and your microphone and whatnot. And I've got a feeling that a little bit of water must have just gotten past that rubber gasket that sort of protects the um, pins. And that's why it started doing weird stuff because it would, I'd say, hey, Siri, and Siri would go,
0: um, and would freak out. Uh, so you reckon it was water between the um, between the brains of the unit and the base plate as opposed to water actually in the brains yeah,
1: of the Yeah, like I'm um, not keen to... Um, pull it apart to see if there's any water corrosion or anything inside the unit itself. But um, at the end of this test of, uh, while it's working, yeah, yeah, it works fine. Um, like if anything, yeah, may have been a bit, maybe a little bit slower than it was, uh, before last weekend. Um, but I'm going to continue using it. I enjoy using it. Um, and the benefits, as we said, um, over the 30 K, are pronounced like the sound is so much better Um, the voice commands are brilliant um, so long as you don't have to stop and take your phone out because it won't uh, Siri in her infinite wisdom won't make a phone call for you unless you unlock your iPhone which is great if you're riding along and you want to talk to the missus and say hey what's for dinner Um, you have to either send a text via voice command or uh, stop and pull your phone out Uh, but I'm still really really enjoying the um, 50s Um, my 30k is hooked up to my i70 because it's a quieter helmet and i can put up with the noise and whatnot but um the 50s my go-to and um yeah apart from that little bit of rain well a lot of rain uh, we also tested out the um, how dry my motor dry gear was in um, pouring rain and um we found a couple of weak points as well there um but no overall still very happy with my uh, 50s so i'm not gonna not gonna sell it not that it's actually mine it's um, I think it's technically still owned by uh, the distributors whites and bits for bikes. Uh, so if they want it back, they can come and get it. But um I'll fight them for it because I do really enjoy using this little unit. So
0: I got the um the Center fifty R on the uh, LS2 Pioneer Evo helmet and the other day, as I mentioned, I was riding through rain so heavy that the water started coming down the inside of the visor. Happy to um to report there was no fog. <laughs> it was mentioned with the anti-fog. Um but the 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 center just kept on going. Uh, so I don't know if I've been lucky or maybe the 50 series units are better rated than previous models. And that's why, um, you know, you do see on the Internet people complaining about the the 30K and the 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 other ones, the 20 models that they have died due to water ingress. So, yeah, um, but also like if- if, take 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 it as a face value that ours are fine. Yeah.
1: Um, and like if you're worried, just take it off unplug it if you're really that worried um like unless you've got the 50r yeah unless you got the 50r um in which case um good luck to you but i'm pretty sure it is a much more sealed unit than
0: every other scene in today so yeah buyout. brilliant i think we've tied up a a good number of loose ends there matt yeah i think we're gonna have to call this the loose ends episode aren't we well we, we do need to tie up these loose ends because we are coming to christmas I mean, if you're like me, you don't like talking about Christmas before December. But we've we've got to face the facts that uh, what is it? Uh, it's the 15th of October right now. November, actually. Oh, sorry, November. Sorry, <laughs> this episode will go live on what 16, 17, 18, 19th of of november christmas is not far away so i'd like to raise the question and i don't need an answer right now but i need you to think about it And i want the listeners to think about it what's on your christmas list like for me or what i'm buying you because sorry mate i'm not buying you anything (laughs) oh (laughs) yeah <laughs> no 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 What's on? what's on what's on your wish list what's on i want i want as i said i don't want an answer right now but start thinking about it and if you if the listeners have an idea of what's on their wish list for Christmas um obviously motorcycle related because that's what we're here talking about um do get hold of us you can email us podcast at kiwirider.co.nz uh, i almost said podcast at christmas.co.nz. podcast at kiwirider.co.nz you can get hold of us on Facebook and instagram as well we'd absolutely love you and welcome your input into the show What is on your wish list as a motorcyclist? I mean, are you after a Cena 50R? Are you after some new fork oil? Are you after a new helmet? What do you want? What's on your wish list? What do you want? You know, it doesn't have to be an expensive item, but then money is no object. It's, It's a present. We want to know what's on your wish list. If you were to talk to Santa, the big man in red. Hello, Matt. What would you like for Christmas? Ho, ho, ho. I'd like some
1: Bark Busters Storm Plastics for my Bark Busters, please, Santa. Just looking at the motorbike over to my
0: right. (laughs) So we'd love to hear from you. Email us, podcast at kiwirider.co.nz. Get a hold of us on Instagram and Facebook as well. Uh, hit the like on this podcast, and while you're on the internet, check out the latest edition of Kiwi Rider Magazine. Go to kiwirider.co.nz. Uh, everything we've talked about, and a whole lot more, plus photos, specs on motorbikes, and everything you'll be interested in. And uh, while you're on the internet, check out the latest news at OnThrottle.co.nz as well. Uh, news uh, on the podcast is, as always, is brought to you by OnThrottle.co dot nz. That pretty much wraps us up, doesn't it? Yeah, pretty much. Are we still going to do a dad joke of some description? Go on then let's do a dad joke. Have you got one or <laughs> you want me to find one? I've
1: got one. I've been saving them because of course I'm a member of a dad's group and that's all dads really do is uh, spin yarns and tell horrendous jag dad jokes. So uh, rightio, here, here it comes. You ready? I'm ready. Hit me. Just farted on my wallet. Now I've got gas money. Took you a while. <laughs> oh,
0: I like that one. No, I like that one. That one's good. I'm going to remember that one. I always say that. Every dad joke, I'm like, I'm going to remember that. I never do. This has been Kimi Rider Podcast. I've been Ray. I've been Matt. Keep the rubber side down. Throttle on. And we'll catch you in seven days time.